take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. and welcome to our latest episode of Field Preachers. I'm your host, Rachel Gilmore, and I'm so excited to introduce our panelists to you for today's podcast. Uh, joining us are some of my friends from Virginia, Virginia church planters who years ago started online-only campuses. So you'll be hearing from Ashley Allen, who started Restoration Worldwide um, out of Flourish United Methodist Church back in March of 2018. And they started with around 300 people in their online worship. And since COVID, uh, it's surged to over 1,500 people joining them in online worship. In addition to that, they also have two house churches, one located in Asheville, North Carolina, and the other one in Kingston, Washington. We'll also be hearing from Tony Arnold, who started an online-only campus out of Christ Church in Northern Virginia back in October of 2017. Uh, and their church as well has grown to between 1,100, 1,200 each week for online-only worship. Uh, so we'll be diving in. At, I'll be asking them questions that came to me from other church planters, wanting to understand how online-only church works and functions. So um, I, I spent some time with Ashley and Tony before we engaged in our uh, Zoom call that you'll be hearing here momentarily on the podcast. But both Ashley and Tony shared a similar vision that the reason that their online-only churches started years ago was to catch those people who were falling through the cracks, people who would not come on Sunday mornings. And um, their online-only worshiping communities began slowly. They didn't uh, explode the way that they had expected, even though they were using marketing and uh, shared posts. Ashley had a really great idea. They did an Ask One campaign where everyone in the existing church got a postcard to mail out to someone to ask them to participate in this online faith community. Um, and yet it's been a really meaningful ministry. So for both of these online-only worship campuses of existing churches, the goal has always been to get them to plug in physically in some space, uh, using preferably a house church model, the way that uh, Restoration Worldwide has already been doing in Asheville, North Carolina, and Kingston, Washington. So people can watch virtually, but we do need that physical connection as well uh, when it is safe post-COVID uh, to begin gathering in smaller groups. So I can't wait for you to hear some of the questions that they answered that came to us through Planters on this Zoom call that we had just on Friday. So quick turnaround here. I'm grateful for our editing crew, and I hope you enjoy this latest episode of Field Preachers. Speaking of, I know the big conflict uh, sometimes that we hear debated about between clergy and planters with online church is, well, you know, how do you gather them in person? Is it all online or do they ever get together? You know, how do you do baptisms or, or communion or whatnot? Ashley, you want to speak to that for a little bit? Like what percentage of your online faith community lives within driving distance of each other? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So, uh, so before I answer that, I would say one of the greatest challenges of virtual church is data collection. Um, so it is hard to get all of the details for everyone that is present that you would want um, because some people are just going to come and hang out and let that be their experience. Um, and of course, um, some are looking to connect deeper. Some it takes longer to get there. So um, for quite some time, really until COVID, we saw probably 
a third of those who were who were with us online also registering their attendance, which would provide us with the geographical data that would help us create those connections. Um, so it has been um, a lot of a lot of work to um, or intentional work to reach out to the people who would register and and see where they are and where they might be in proximity to the others who have registered. And so um, really what, what that's kind of part of that slow on ramp, that's kind of what we're doing as we look forward. So um, we, with our, with our North Carolina and so that's the purpose of the house church, right? North Carolina and Washington is to create that connection. What we've been doing with the others is trying to help them connect to a local church um, that is near them for the purpose of um, baptism and communion. But if I'm being really honest, um, not many of those people ha- are, have yet sought out um, that level of engagement. So um, where we have seen the most um, regional collection is in Texas. Um, so Texas and North Carolina are our two big areas. So we're doing the work right now. Um, we've actually, since COVID, we've utilized a new way of gathering data and that's happening via text. And we've we've now gone up, I would say probably 75% of our viewers are now registering attendance. So we're now taking that information and um, we, are, we are using it to try to figure out like where would be the best next house church in Texas? Where would be the best, best next house church in North Carolina and how can we collect connect who's already there with these new folks. Um, you know, the IP address thing is really helpful to see kind of where there is some um, collection, but it, but it doesn't always help us create the connection um, between individuals. Great. Tell me more about uh, registering attendance via text. What are you using text in church or what platform are you? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't remember, I don't know because I don't, I don't, um, Think, you know, thankfully, Flores is a large church, so we have a lot of staff resources. Um, so there are pieces that I don't know that I need that I need to gather. Um, but we used Easy Text in the past. I think we may have just switched, but I'm not sure to what platform. Um, let me see if I can find that out while we're together. And um, and so that's what we use. We have um, during worship, the people who are um, who are present as the worship leaders will say several times through the service, beginning kind of in the middle and then at the end, hey, if you're joining us today, please text Floris here, which is unfortunate. We can get into and then the number. And then once they text that in, they will receive, um, you know, a couple of other questions that will lead them to to register that. How, what, or what percentage of your faith community lives within driving distance of where you are physically located? Sure. Uh, thanks, Rachel. And uh, sorry about before, everyone. Hopefully this is a lot better. Um, oh, good. Uh, so a uh, percentage of our faith community, um, I've been tracking those numbers for some time now. Before um, COVID-19, uh, we were averaging um, probably about, uh, I would say, 75 to 78% of the folks that joined us online each weekend were um, within dri- within relative driving distance. And then the, the other uh, percentage, you know, the, the 24, 25% uh, were folks that lived outside of Northern Virginia. So they could have lived in other parts of Virginia, other states or uh, other countries around the world. Um, and uh, we, one of the things that we did to kind of um, determine that is we just utilized some of the analytics from our BoxCast streaming service. 
Um, and uh, we also, like Ashley, have um, some ways uh, to get the, the information directly from folks joining us. Um, we have an online connection card. Um, and what's really helpful is in kind of determining how many folks are actually uh, joining us on the weekend. Um, part of that connection card also has a drop down that uh, people can self-identify how many are uh, worshiping online uh, at the same time. So uh, usually, you know, I think Ashley said they've got close to 75% of folks that are filling that out, which is fantastic. Um, I don't think we're quite that high percentage-wise, but it's it's definitely spiked quite a bit in terms of how many people are filling that out and giving us that information since we've gone fully online. Um, and that's been giving us some more accurate uh, numbers uh, in the most recent month. Great. And what do you use for your connection card? What's your platform or tool? We use Wufu. Okay, Wufu. And Ashley did respond to us that she uses Slick Text. So look into both of those as resources to gather as much information as you can from your online guests. So what does the order of worship look like in online worship? Is it, a, you know, opening prayer, few hymns, sermon? Do you shake things up? Tell us about that. Um, so I want to add that we use Wufu too. So I, I do think that that's a great um, tool and, and resource. Um, we use that on the, the webpage itself to collect attendance. So um, we find them to be really helpful and they will then, you know, then you can convert that data to a spreadsheet, which makes life really easy. Um, for us, um, worship looks just like it does if you were to be in person. Um, we don't have a... Um, an online specific service right this second. Um, and that has been something that we have, that I have been wanting to add and create. Um, but um, our AV uh, department was um, identifying some bandwidth issues with what they what they were being tasked with um, for the church at large. And then what I was wanting to, to take some of their time um, to create. Um, so this has been one of our gifts of COVID is that now everybody's thinking this way. Um, so we are now talking about um, what might look like a studio service, which was kind of always my hope or something that looked TED Talk-like. Um, so that would look like a welcome and, you know, maybe an opening song. And then um, if it had been the previous conception, it was going to be um, conversation around whatever our current sermon series was and have um, experts come in on various topics or, um, you know, have guest speakers, different things like that. Um, guest musicians too, just really utilize, kind of be like a video podcast. Um, so, so our studio worship could look something similar, um, but it could also look like a sermon, a brief sermon, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and then, um, and then do maybe some sort of reflective activity and a closing song. That's amazing. Uh, what about you, Tony? Sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll speak to Sunday morning worship first, uh, but there are some other experiences that we offer online right now as well. And for Sunday worship, uh, what we've been doing for uh, some time now, and, and we wanted to do this very deliberately so we could um, reach specifically the folks who were uh, joining us online, um, who were outside of our, you know, our, our immediate community, um, our physical community. And what we did was we incorporated live intros and live outros. So um, either myself or or the lead pastor or both of us um, would greet folks at the very start of the service on camera and just welcome them to uh, the service, kind of give them a few tips on how they can kind of navigate the church online platform that we use. You know, the, the sermon notes are below. 
Um, I'd love for you to join us in the chat. Let us know where you're joining us from. If you need prayer, um, let us know. Um, And we've got a team that will pray with you. Stuff like that. And then we kind of move from that into our first set of music. And we've been kind of getting creative in terms of how we've done that. So we're, uh, we're contemporary in terms of the, the music and the style that, that we have on Sunday morning. And um, we've done a lot of different things in the last month and a half. Um, what we typically do is we have the bands uh, come in on Wednesday evening when they usually rehearse. And we film uh, them uh, you know, doing the set at the end. And we incorporate that pre-recorded material into the live material of the sermon and some of the other stuff we do on Sunday morning. Um, that way we're able to kind of stay within the 10-person the gathering limit rule um, and still give a, a, a good um, service for folks on Sunday morning. Um, and we've actually done some stuff via um, some video editing recently. Um, you would, you know, it's not something that is easily done. We've got a, we're blessed to have a for on staff with us. So we've been able to do stuff where, you know, people have individually sung their parts and we put together a virtual choir and a virtual um, band. Uh, and that's been really kind of, a fun thing for the congregation to experience. Um, and for them. So we go through that. Um, there's usually uh, some announcements that are definitely all online specific, kind of letting people know how they can, how uh, everybody of all ages within our community can kind of uh, gather together online and continue growing in their faith um, in this time. Uh, and then the sermon, of course, uh, on Sunday morning. And then, uh, we have a, a time where we invite folks to, to give, uh, at the end of the sermon. And then we move into our last song and then dismissal followed by our outro where we, uh, you know, we actually kind of combine those two elements now, now that everybody's online. So the dismissal and the outro are the same thing. But it used to be, um, you know, the lead pastor would say the final words and then it would cut back to me. And I would say some final words for the online campus and let them know how they could get plugged in throughout the week. And in addition to that, I mentioned we're doing some other worship um, services as well throughout the week. The biggest thing we're doing is midday prayer. um, And that's Monday through Friday um, at noon. So it's about uh, 20 to 30 minutes on average. And basically, it's just a simple um, introduction, prayer. And then uh, if it's one person, we usually read um, a, a bit of scripture and uh, do a reflection on that scripture. And then we uh, do maybe like five to eight minutes of prayer where we're lifting up some of the concerns that people raise in the chat. And then just kind of praying uh, about the situation that we're in right now that God would uh, work his grace in that situation. So, um, so we were experimenting kind of like um, Ashley was talking about with some different forms of worship during this time, some more dialogue type experiences on topics. Um, and that's been something that um, folks in our church, at least, uh, have been very positive about and uh, have been excited to be a part of. Great. Thanks for sharing. That kind of leads me into the next question because I hear a lot of clergy kind of debating, well, what does discipleship look like? If they're just watching from their living room, you've been doing this for, you know, a few years now, it sounds like the daily prayer service is an opportunity for discipleship, but what do small groups look like? How do you get people plugged in? Tell us more. 
Um, so this was actually, Tony and I presented to some Arlington Alexandria district, district clergy last week, and this was the big question that came out of it. So you're exactly right. This is what people are trying to figure out, um, and so are we. And um, Tony, Tony said in an email response to somebody, which I thought was perfect, um, be creative. Just play with it and, and see, see what lands, see what sticks. Um, and that's what has, has been another gift of this time. So for us, um, just Discipleship looked like online small groups um, from the very beginning. And just like everything else, those were kind of slow growing. So very first um, shot at online small groups, we had two. We had about mm, 16, 20 people between the two. um, And that was great. But by the next year, after just trying to come up with creative offerings um, online. We, we managed to have 53 and um, four small groups. So it, it just, it kept growing as people um, gained comfort around that. Um, and, um, you know, what, what we found is at least what was kind of the foundation of our launch was everybody has a story and in every one of our stories, there, there are different seasons and depending what's going on in that season, it depends on what our need is. So while we can't be all things to all people, we tried to think about that. Who, who is this online campus really going, going to be for, you know, at least initially who's really needing this. And, you know, especially when in reference to online small groups, who are the, the working moms who or the single moms, right. Who can't get back to church. Who are the people who travel for work? I mean, just thinking of all of your various, um, uh, stories that that could use this kind of access. And um, so we did, we created a women's group up front. We created, um, you know, something that was topical, but, you know, relevant to, you know, what was going on at the time. And so that's, that's how we've tried to do that. Um, and to Tony's point, then outside of small groups, um, and those we use Zoom, right? Just like everybody else is doing, we use Zoom. Those have been great. Um, Amplify Media is a system, is a program that we're using now. Yep. I see you nodding, Rachel. Good. Um, and that's been a great gift because you can show videos before before we jumped on the amplify train we were um, using our AV team to um, transfer you know the DVDs to Vimeo playlists and then using those in the same way that we use amplify media so just trying to, to find a way to create that experience all virtually um, and so then to Tony's point um, it has been just thinking about those other ways to connect. It has been very intentional posting. We have always had on, on Facebook a very strategic posting schedule. Um, so Monday we do a kind of a clip of the sermon with um, with the little sentence above it that would lead people to the archive. Um, number one, as a reminder that it's there for those who may have missed it. Number two is a way to share with others. On Wednesday, we tend to do our Wednesday word. So a quote, a thought, a prayer, something like that, that we could post um, that would engage people that way. Um, and then um, on Fridays, I would do a video note. And so a way to kind of bridge whatever the gaps may be. Um, and we even explored a virtual service opportunity. So that doesn't look like all being on Zoom doing, you know, yard work somewhere, but um, that did look like Advent tree giving where we picked um we picked a certain area when we did our Advent giving trees, um, like the angel tree, but local um, local ministries here in the Herndon Reston area. We picked we picked an area of need, so it was our hypothermia shelter, um, and we said, okay. Restoration Worldwide, this is yours. We want to collect this many socks, this many gloves, this many whatever. And that was that was theirs. But then we also encouraged them to find um, 
a ministry that is local to them to serve in. And then we create opportunities for people to share that and to report back. So um, it's just trying to find, you know, our, our big guiding platforms are, you know, worship, grow, serve, and connect. So that is, is kind of how I have been thinking and planning. So what does worship look like? Um, how can we help people grow through small groups, through midday prayer, through um, special services that are live streamed, all of that? Um, and then how can we help them serve? Um, and how can we help them connect? Thanks, Ashley. Um, what about you, Tony? Outside of the daily prayer, do you have small groups going on? What does that look like? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, when we first launched the campus, one of the things that I felt very strongly about from the get go is that this has to be, this has to go beyond Sunday morning worship. You know, Sunday morning worship is where it all starts, but we grow um, in many different ways in our faith. And one of the ways in which was formational for me was in small groups and was in formational classes. And so I felt very strongly about developing that. And we launched our first um, uh, class in uh, January of 2018. So uh, a few months after we launched and uh, we converted um, the alpha course um, into an online format um, for that. And it actually, it works so well that um, it's, it's been around ever since and it's actually grown um, since then. And we, around that same time, that same year, uh, we launched three um, brand new small groups uh, that are fully on uh, Zoom video conferencing. But one of the things that I learned in late 2018 and going into early 2019 was uh, there's a fear factor, which is probably a lot less than it used to be now that everybody's online. But there was a fear factor back then about this idea of having your face on somebody's screen. Um, at least that's what it seemed like to me because it was very difficult, um, at least for us, to get a lot of folks to buy into Zoom. Uh, to buy into um, worshiping online, they, were, they understood that. But to kind of go beyond that, that's where we were trying to experiment a little bit. And what I, what I found out was we needed to experiment with different types of platforms. You know, we needed to go where the people were. And so one of the things that we did was we sent out a, um, early, in the early days, we sent out a uh, uh, survey monkey uh, survey, um, just to kind of see uh, from folks, you know, what is it that you are looking for? How, how do you, what's, what will work to connect you? to more people within our online community. And we got some really good feedback from that survey, which kind of gave us an idea that, okay, for some people, they may only be comfortable with Facebook right now. Well, that's okay, you know? So um, I, what I did was at that point, I prioritized um, social media, which I had kind of done a little bit of at that point, um, but I realized this is where a lot of people are going to be right now. And so I developed that um, and I kind of came up with a rotational schedule, a weekly schedule of uh, social media posts. And what I try to do, like Ashley said, is um, I, I try to think in terms of discipleship. So what did we learn on Sunday and how can I, how can I pull that thread through um, as a theme through our social media posts throughout the week? Um, I think it's important to create synergies because it's not just a one and done sort of thing. Like, oh, I've heard it. That was great. And then I move on with the rest of my week and I don't hear about it again. No, we, we hear about it over and over again. And that builds that momentum 
that is built in that initial experience of worship on Sunday. So that's kind of my thinking along the lines of how to engage people. And, you know, since um, COVID-19 hit us, uh, we really stepped up in terms of making, uh, bringing the online campus. And I said this to Ashley before, basically we went in in the space of a month and a half, we went basically three to four years in the future in terms of our development. I mean, we, we have shot way far ahead of where we were just a few months ago, because now um, all of our staff have some component of online ministry within their ministries. We've got something for kids and for youth, for our inclusive ministry um, with folks uh, with disabilities. We've got um, a lot of uh, available online resources in our wellness and recovery ministry. And so that's always been a long-term goal of mine has been to expand uh, the scope of what online church can be to include those elements of what we do so well in our physical church. And it just so happens that uh, COVID-19 was that catalyst that really forced us to be more intentional about making that happen. I love that. I love the intentionality of what's happening on Sunday. How can we continue that message or teaching throughout the week? And that you both shared, you know, that you have a schedule for social media. I think sometimes we're like, I want to reach as many people as possible. And so we lower our Facebook, you know, algorithms and analytics because we're posting all the time and not engaging people in that way or not having something that's structured. So I love, do you guys use Hootsuite typically to like set your calendar for social media? Okay. Yes. And, and Rachel, can I mention one more thing? Um, I discovered, so this is this is kind of funny. Uh, the Facebook page for Christ Church Online was set up before I came on staff. And I did some research and I realized I was pretty much the only, aside from maybe one or two others, I was pretty much the only, uh, leading the only online church that had a Facebook page. Um, everybody else had a Facebook group. And I was about a year deep into this and I realized wow, we've really made a mistake here because Facebook groups have full interactivity. You know, every, anybody can post, anybody can, um, can interact uh, more freely than you could on a Facebook page. So what we ended up doing is we kind of rolled with it. We said, you know what, we'll keep the Facebook page because we have a lot of content on here now. We'll use that for um, announcements and for other community-wide sort of things that we want to get out there. And we'll use our, we'll start a new Facebook group and we'll, we'll encourage people to really kind of gather as community on there. So we made that shift about a year ago and it's been a little slow, but um, we've got, we've gotten more and more people involved in posting on that Facebook group. Um, But I I figured I'd share that story because that was kind of a lesson learned uh, along the way um, because some platforms are better than others in some forms within various platforms are better than others for that community, um, that community interaction. Great. And I know you guys have been sharing this in the chat, but can you both just speak briefly? We had a question come in um, from James in Illinois. What, what you use to post your services to multiple social media platforms concurrently? Go for it, Tony. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that one more time, Rachel? Yeah. Um, what tool, what platform, what program do you use to post your worship services services to multiple social media platforms at once? Like, do you stream at the same time to YouTube uh, and Facebook Live? Yeah. So uh, that's a great question, Rachel. Um, so we we were debating about this early on 
um, you know, in the first year that we launched. So when we launched, we used Church Online Platform, which is a, a, it's a free platform that's offered, I believe, Life Church is the one that developed it. Um, and their whole ministry model is to equip local churches for ministry. So they give a lot of stuff out for free. Um, and it's a really good platform. And what we, what we were uh, discussing was, okay, we've got a good base of people that are coming on church online each week for um, Sunday worship. Do we want to now um, start doing Facebook Live, having church online and Facebook Live going on Sunday mornings at the same time? And we talked about it, and there were some, there were some pros and cons to doing, to doing it. But one of the reasons why we ultimately decided just to stick with church online platform up until where we are right now um, is because uh, our, we weren't at what I would consider to be um, critical mass yet. Uh, so one of the things that I feared is that if we split up our people between Facebook and church online, we wouldn't have the same kind of interactions going on on the chat on Sunday morning that we had up to that point. So we elected to just use church online because we didn't think that it was the right time to branch off quite yet. I um, have always, whenever Tony and I share, I've always tell him to talk about church online because I think it's a really great platform. Um, and I know I shared in the chat, we use Wowza as our live stream provider. Um, and that was a switch. We used a smaller company for quite some time, um, but Wowza has helped us with a more seamless service. So Wirecast is what we use um, to connect our live stream to social media. Um, and I understand because we did not stream to Facebook. Um, we have been streaming to YouTube, um, utilizing the same Wirecast system, um, but we hadn't been doing the Facebook piece until COVID. So this was my opportunity to make that happen. And, um, and then what I understand from our um, AV guy is that there's just a little box that he checks when they go to stream to the various platforms and that allows us to stream to Facebook. That's great. Um, and Chris in the chat mentioned BeLive as another platform. And I know another plan is using Crowdcast because that will live stream to Facebook and YouTube as well um, and allow people to log in as avatars if they want to, to be in that Crowdcast room. So that's amazing. Okay, this is great. We're going to keep just gleaning as much as we can from you as possible. So let's talk about an issue that's on a lot of pastors' minds right now, finances. How do you do online giving? Do you feel like online giving? So I've heard varying schools of thought. Some people say giving is actually stronger in online churches uh, post-COVID than they expected it to be. What does that look like for you? What platform do you use? How do you talk about giving? What percentage of people are actually like tithing as opposed to just, you know, and Venmoing five bucks is amazing in many, many cases, but what, yeah, prepare us for what online giving looks like. Yeah. So um, I'm excited for Tony to share because it took me a long time to get to um, get permission to use the platform that Tony is using and, um, and it, it's a game changer. So um, I can't say enough about that. So I'll let him weigh in on that. So just really briefly, I'll say that we were, we were primarily using fellowship one 
Um, and that we had the, the button on our webpage for people to go and give that way. But we were seeing exactly what you asked. Uh, we were just seeing people give their $10, their whatever. Um, there wasn't a, a commitment. There wasn't the, the tithe or the, in, the financial investment in the campus. Um, and there was probably a year where we lived like that. And some of that was just that on-ramp that I mentioned and the newness and just trying to help um, you know, our, our percentage of people at first that were not a part, that were not somehow connected to Floris um, w- was so small. It was like 10% that that those people were still exploring and figuring it out. So there was no real, you know, not a connection deep enough to be committed. Um, so it took that year. And then once we had done our first year, then we did, um, we, we joined Floris in their stewardship campaign. And that looked like taking those who had given and connecting with them in the same ways that Floris was, but that looked like, you know, video messages and letters and notes and all of that. And when I did that, that, that first campaign, what I did was really talk about how, hey, a misconception might be that because we're a part of a bigger church, that the funds are the same. But did you know that your giving helps us do A, B, C, D, and E? So really helping people understand what a financial commitment would do. And then, um, we in our in our second year because of that saw about half of our annual operating budget committed um, through the stewardship campaign. So that was really helpful. Um, but then we introduced by God's grace and um, thankfully Tony had gone before us, but um, push pay, which is um, just as incredible as you would want it to be. And I'll let Tony talk about that. Thanks, Ashley. Uh, so, you know, we, we talked about, um, before I jump into push pay, uh, similar to what Ashley was saying, we did talk a lot about uh, the kind of the, the stories, uh, the life impacts that the giving has, uh, has enabled, you know, and, and just making sure that folks know that, you know, these are the kinds of things that you've done. These are the kinds of things that we're doing together right now and that we can continue doing together uh, in this time. And one of the things that has been really a blessing has been the response of our church in this fully online time. They, uh, they have responded in a very generous way uh, in terms of uh, stocking, uh, not just making sure that we can continue operating, but also stocking our, uh, basically our whole gathering area with canned food that we've been able to kind of get, that we've been able to send off to Rising Hope and LCAC and other places uh, that are in need of those uh, resources right now. And in terms of the platforms and what we've used and what we're using right now, Ashley mentioned PushPay. Um, if you're not familiar with PushPay, one of the things that's been really good about it has been when we uh, when we really started digging into how we can make it, um, how we can make push pay work for us in an online setting. I think it was probably late 2018, early 2019. We decided to create two push pay links, one for the physical church on Ox Road and one for the online campus. And I directly linked the online campus to uh, giving push pay to the church online platform. Um, and uh, so, folks that come to that church online platform, for those who that is their worship center, um, their digital worship center. They can just click that link and it brings them right to um, that, uh, right to that push pay page, which would then uh, uh, support the online ministry. In fact, that's worked so well for us that we have been uh, net positive 
and giving uh, and self-sustaining since the first month of 2019. We have not had a single month since the first month of 2019 that we've been under uh, our our giving budget. So um, they've really responded in incredible ways. And uh, we also instituted Venmo recently. We've been hearing more and more uh, rumblings from the congregation that, you know, we like push, you know, push pay's fine, but I'd rather use Venmo. And so why, you know, we were thinking why create a barrier and not have Venmo available for people. So we, we started using Venmo as well, and that's been bringing in a few thousand dollars more uh, than we've been seeing um, lately as well. So that was another kind of experimentational thing. Like, let's just, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. Um, but the thing that's really great about PushPay is it's an all-in-one um, platform. Uh, there's a giving statement that everybody would get at the end of the year. Um, for taxes, um, it's it's very easy to use, um, and so I, I can't recommend that enough. And I was I was super happy to hear Ashley that you were finally successful um, in uh, talking them into instituting that over there. Right. Um, so Venmo is a thing too, guys. Look into that. Look into push pay and giving can be good. So even post COVID nineteen, has your giving gone up, down, stayed the same? Just in brief, where are you guys at? Uh, in terms of giving, we have been, uh, we've been up, uh, like, like I said, we've, we've had a really tremendous response for, from our church. They, they, those who understood online church before have, have always been behind it, but those who really didn't experience it that much up until this point, totally bought in and, and understood, uh, what we can do as a church through church online. And so uh, that vision really kind of caught up. And I think the other thing that was really important was our lead pastor, John, um, was very transparent every step of the way of this is where we are financially. This is what um, the challenges are that we face right now. And this is what we need to kind of move forward. And people responded. Um, I think our giving is pretty stable. Floris is giving at large. Um, I would say that includes all of the sites has been up. And additionally, we've done a COVID relief fund that now has like $115,000 in it or something that's just on, that's on top of um, what has been given. So the generosity, I, I feel like the generosity is like, you know, through the roof. And um, I, I feel we're very um, fortunate in that way to have um, the demographic that we do to have, you know, the, um, the size congregation that we do for that specifically, but I would, but we got tricky um, because as soon as we were all virtual, um, they moved my giving stuff, like Restoration Worldwide's giving stuff, to a different spot on the website. So when you click the main button, it'll take you to Floris's giving, which doesn't give you an option to give to Restoration Worldwide. So where it's a little muddy and weird. So be very clear. That would be my my tip. Right. Separate and clear. Thank you, Ashley. One quick follow-up uh, question for Tony before we move on to the next one. With Venmo, do you link it to like a church mobile phone or an individual? Can you sign up as an organi organization to receive those funds? Yeah, I think um, uh, the other associate pastor at the church um, did a lot of the research to, to, to make it happen. But I do believe that we did sign up as an organization. Um, I think uh, what what folks do to find us is they just type in Christchurch VA 
And then I think it comes up as Christchurch Finance, and then they can just put in whatever amount they want. Great. Thank you. Okay, so let's say that someone logs into your online worship service and they fill out the Connect card or text their info and they're brand new. How do you get them introduced or in a deeper relationship with other people in that online community? What does that look, especially now, like COVID times, do you say, I'm going to have a Zoom room and all of you are brand new, so log in and let's play matchmaker. I mean, like, what? how do you make it not awkward? What do we do? Well... I think sometimes the awkwardness is just on the, the on the end of the the uh, what's the word I want to use I don't know the newcomer right so if they're like okay I'm in I'm gonna just like see what happens you know then that that experience is a little less awkward but if it's like oh, this is gonna be weird then it kind of tends to be weird but um, we have so we have used a very specific. Um, connecting system since the beginning um, and, and it did evolve. So it wasn't, it wasn't exactly this, but we wanted to, um, we wanted to be a little bit persistent, but also like really connectional. So when somebody tells us it's their first time, they get a text message that welcomes them. Um, and that comes from that slick text system. Then they get a postcard um, a week later signed by me or um, if you know the same thing happens if you're uh, new to Florida, she'll get it signed by Tom, um, and then they get um, a phone call as well. So I will call the new people to Restoration Worldwide. Um, that's the third point of contact, and that um, you know we found to be to be helpful because it gives them somebody to connect to. And we started doing a virtual meet and greet um, after worship on Zoom. So that does give people the opportunity to come and meet people. And so then that's really on the leader, um, whoever the meet and greet host is or the pastor to try to keep that from being awkward. So, um, so I utilize the poll feature in Zoom. We, um, you know, just try to make that as fun, like, you know, tell, you know, try to create icebreaker stuff that doesn't feel really like silly that allows people to share about themselves so that they can find connection points. Um, but the chat, the live chat is also really helpful because especially during our 915 service, when we have to, that's a very vibrant chat. And so people will see that happening and they may jump in and say, Hey, this is my first time here. And then they're welcomed and people are asking questions. And, um, and then that gives me the, the information right in that moment to also reach out to them offline. So, um, so, so that's really it. And then once they've, once they've kind of been uh, connected with initially, I don't know that I can use that word anymore, but um, once they've, once they've been connected with and, um, and you know who they are, then it's like the follow up to, Hey, we're getting ready to do Advent small groups, love for you to join one. Here's what we offer. You know, it's just really being persistent and putting the information before them. And then, you know, does it get everybody? No. Does it get quite a few? Yeah. Great. What about you, Tony? So when we started, uh, I had this idea that we would mirror the, a time that we had at the end of our service, which we called Gimme Five. Basically, the concept was meet with a member of the church for five minutes, learn about the church. Um, so I, I decided I'm going to do that via Zoom video conferencing, and I would put the link in the chat at the end of our, this was before we had outros, I'll just put the link in the chat at the end of the service and just invite folks to join me there. Uh, over the course of maybe the four or five months that we did that, we had one person uh, that joined me on Zoom video conferencing 
And that person was Mark Ogren from the um, Virginia Conference. So uh, it, it actually was one of those flops, you know, that just did not work in practice. But uh, like Ashley said, we had uh, a really, really vibrant um, chat uh, community built up. And it's funny because chat is such an old feature of the internet. It's, it's you know, it's, we all remember uh, the old days with AOL um, Instant Messenger and, and some of those really old things, and, and it's still here with us. And yet, people are uh, are really interacting with each other, um, and uh, in, in ways that are really kind of encouraging to see. We've had folks that have um, volunteered information to us and and just said, "Hey, I'm brand new to the church." In the chat, they've uh, filled out the connection card and indicated that they were brand new. Um, and when that happens, I usually uh, will reach out myself and just say, hey, so glad to be with you. Um, just so you're aware, here's some of the things that um, that we do here at Christ Church Online and some of the ways you can get involved. And, you know, I'm always here if you um, need to, to kind of um, put your head together uh, and, and see kind of how we can kind of uh, help you grow in your faith. And uh, those are some of the ways that, that we've reached out before. Um, since we've gone fully online, I've had a little bit more help uh, in doing that. So I've got a couple of other people who have been taking that on with me. Um, but a lot of the people who um, I'm seeing coming on nowadays that I didn't know before are folks that uh, are um, sometimes coming from different churches that either there's not, not something that they can engage in with their church right now, or they are doing another worship experience in addition to their church's worship experience. And so they're not fully necessarily engaging um, in our church, but they are joining us for um, Sunday worship. So we're seeing um, definitely some interesting trends right now in terms of who's joining us. But that's typically what we've done is, is I've reached out, I've engaged with those folks and just made them aware that, you know, church online isn't just Sunday morning worship. That's only the beginning. There's a lot more to it and we want to see you grow in your faith. What are people looking for in terms of online church faith communities? Do they want it to feel authentic? Do they want it to seem polished? Do they want the music to be spectacular? Do they want to feel seen and heard? You know, what, what is the top thing that people are craving that you've seen growing from hundreds to over a thousand? Authenticity was the word that I was going to say before you, before it came out of your mouth. So, so that's what I would say. And I think that that can look a lot different. Um, I think one of the great gifts of this time has been, um, you know, the, there's the question going on in the chat, is it best to do live or pre-recorded? Um, we were doing live for the first several weeks. We just went to pre-recorded last week and I, I don't know that it was our best choice. Um, I think live creates this authenticity. It's not, it doesn't feel as polished. And so people really feel like they're there with you. Um, and, and I really think this is where Antonio and I like to talk a lot about camera angles and lights, but I think camera angles play a huge part, like let them feel like they're in the space with you, but let it feel intimate. So I would say authenticity and intimacy. And I think underneath of those two, there's a lot, but you know, some people don't want to feel seen, but they may want to feel heard or they may want to feel known without being you know, called out, if you will, and not having to identify themselves. So as much as you can kind of create that experience, 
um, the better. And I would say people are looking for something in between. And I hate this because I know we could probably talk for another hour about music styles, but I think people are looking for something that is a com- it's like somewhere in between contemporary and traditional. Um, they're looking for something familiar, but also something they can access, something they can engage in. That's great. Thanks. Okay. What about you, Tony? Uh, so I think, um, uh, I believe that uh, what folks, what's really touching folks' hearts right now is uh, to be able to see, uh, to see people that they know and love um, online in some way, shape, or form. You know, they're pastors, to hear from them, to see their faces, but also to see the names of folks that they know and love in that chat as well. That's been one of the things that, that never ceases to amaze me, how people continually will reach out and say, hey, I love that chat feature. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm a part of it. It makes me feel like I'm there. And it's such a simple thing. It's a, it's a chat, but it, it works. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that, um, you know, Ashley had touched on was, lo- you know, this, this question of live or, or pre-recorded. you know, as, as I said earlier, we do kind of a combination of both and we we put it together as seamlessly as we can to create that one experience. But I think ultimately, uh, you know, I, I, I would say that live uh, is the trend right now. That's what people are kind of moving more towards. Um, but I think what people are really looking for right now is, is that connection, um, you know, because they, because we, we have all lost something because of this COVID-19 uh, virus we've all lost something, you know, and, uh, I think people are looking for ways to, um, to hold on to that, which is most familiar. And this is one of the ways that we can do that right now. Um, and one of the things that I said last week when Ashley and I were talking to the, uh, the by district, um, up here in uh, Northern Virginia was uh, this idea of, you know, we are in the COVID-19 season right now. And when we come out of it, our ministry and what we do with online is going to look different than the pre-COVID season. And so one of the most important things we can think of right now is to not only ask the question, what is it that I'm doing now that will maybe go away once we get past the season, but what am I doing now that needs to stick around? That's actually meeting a need and filling the gaps where there are some people who are continually falling through those gaps. You know, what, what is it that needs to remain and even be built upon? Um, and I think what's really important is to reach out to your people and, and hear from them. What is it that is filling them in this time? What is it that, that is feeding their souls? What is it that is touching their hearts? Because if we're able to get that information from them, it gives us a lot more clarity on how we can utilize tools like online ministry in the future. Thank you. That's amazing. And I think you're absolutely right. There are churches that are like, oh gosh, when the shelter in place is over, I can't get, I can't wait to get back together, pack out the church with hundreds of people. That's not the reality for most of us. It's not safe or there are people immunocompromised that won't be able to do that. So online ministry is with us indefinitely in some form or fashion. So I'm just grateful that we have your wisdom over the last few years to learn from as we figure out next steps in our own context. So um, 
thank you guys so much for your time. I think I'm going to harass you to do like another podcast so that we can add even more information to what we've learned from this Zoom. So thank you guys for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Rachel. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.